Y'all good? Y'all good? Okay, cool. Hello. Hello, everyone. Um, welcome to Chi Alpha. I am glad to be here. I can tell that y'all are glad to be here. Um, yes. Thank you for that introduction, Damani. Uh, I don't know where he is, but thank you. Um, like he said, I am Jeff Godfrey, and last year I did my internship uh, with Chi Alpha, and now I am on staff with WB Chi Alpha. And if you have not been here, we're in a series called The Normal Christian Life. And this doesn't mean what does it look like to be the average Christian that you just kind of, you know, hear about in movies or like just see walking down the street. This is what does it mean to truly serve God in every circumstance. So last week, we got to hear Damani and Ian speak about friendships. And the verse that they said, um, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Um, that verse means a lot to me, actually. Um, it's one of the reasons why I'm a Christian. So getting to hear them speak about it and just the way that they honored their friends in it um, just was really cool to see. And we are staying, we we're kind of in a little sub-series um, about relationships. So this week, last week we obviously talked about friendships, and this week we are going to be talking about singleness. Yeah. So, as a quick survey, who in this room is single? I'll raise my hand too. Cool. Um, that's not what this is. This isn't Tinder. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Who here has ever been single? Okay. Uh, that should be everyone. Um, I don't think anybody popped out of the womb and was immediately in a relationship. Uh, that's not true, Ian. What? <laughs> I was you're in a relationship with your mom? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, yes. Um, if what I'm saying is if you raised your hand, which everyone should have, this can apply to you. Just because it's about singleness, if you are married or if you are in a relationship, there are things that you can take from this sermon. And it is ignorant to believe that we know everything about a topic. As Chi Alpha, we call ourselves disciples of Christ, and to be a disciple means that we are a learner. So if we call ourselves disciples, if we call ourselves learners, we have to be continually and constantly learning. You can throw up that picture if you want. Yes. This is me when I was um, pretty young. Obviously, that's me in the chair. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, um, that's me. That's obviously my mom, my sister, and my dad. Um, and this picture is probably when I was about four or five. Yes, I know. I'm cute. Yes, I know. What happened? Um, I got taller, and I grew a beard, and that's pretty much it. Um, nothing else is different about me. Um, but yes, I show the picture because I want to tell you a story about my childhood. Um, it's not from the exact same time frame, 
Um, I'm probably about four or five in this picture, maybe younger. But I want to tell you a story about when I was in fifth grade. So when I was in fifth grade, I went to my grandmother's house for a family event. I think it was 4th of July. I'm not entirely sure. But I was just kind of hanging out with the kids, running around, being loud, being annoying, because, you know, that's what little kids do. And then one of my uncles, Uncle Pete, came up to me, and he started talking to me. And he said, what grade are you in? And I said, fifth, because I was. And then he asked me, do you have a girlfriend yet? And I was like, no. And then he said, you're a man now. You should have a girlfriend by now. <laughs> and I remember very vividly what I said back to him. I said, I'm not a man. I'm in fifth grade. <laughs> and yes, I know, it's, I know it's a pretty funny story, but I tell it to shed light on how society tends to view things. Now, my uncle didn't truly believe that I had to have a girlfriend by the time I hit fifth grade. That's absurd. He's a reasonable man. He didn't honestly believe these things. But society almost does seem to make this claim that you aren't a man or that you aren't a woman if you aren't in a relationship. That your value is diminished if you do not have someone. And any type of relationship, honestly, being in an open relationship where you say that you have a girlfriend or you say that you have a boyfriend, but you can go and date whoever you want. Or being someone who just sleeps with anyone and everyone. Or desperately and constantly trying to find that next one. All of these things are acceptable in our society today. And the only thing that's taboo is to be single and content. Why is it important to talk about singleness from a biblical standpoint? Well, a good amount of you in this room are single, so it's important to understand how to treat this season, but also because I've seen the hurt and I've seen the pain that comes when people have the wrong idea of singleness. Society and sometimes even the church will claim that we get so much from a partner and that we get so much from a spouse. Yes, we do get companionship and we do get friendship, but they claim so much more. Literally watch any chick flick and listen to half of the pop songs out there and you will begin to realize this long list of things that they claim that we get from relationships. Meaning and purpose and identity and fulfillment and someone who never leaves me, someone who never stops loving me. So to show this idea, I want to take a little sample from a song that's pretty popular in our culture. Um, do we have that slide? Yeah. Does anybody know what song this is? Lucid Dreams by Juice World. yes. It says, you were my everything, thoughts of a wedding ring, now I'm just better off dead. And as I look at the song, I begin to realize that a lot of people in our culture are not actually looking for a spouse, but they're looking for a savior. Literally just look at this song. 
It says, you are my everything. This person's life revolved around the person that they were in a relationship with. That is supposed to be Jesus in our lives. Jesus is supposed to be our integration point. He is supposed to be everything to us. He is supposed to be the thing that our lives revolve around. The second line, um, thoughts of a wedding ring. Uh, we are the bride of Christ. Revelation uh, 19.7 talks about this. And there's other verses that also talk about this. But I don't want to get into the whole theology of that right now. And then the last line, it says, now I'm just better off dead. It's pretty extreme, um, you know, for the situation. A relationship was terminated, and now he believes that he is better off not living at all than to live without this person. And if we look at this through the lens of Christ, this is the case. We are dead if we do not have Christ residing within us. We are spiritually dead if we do not have Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. And as I look at this list and as I look at these things that society says that we get from relationships, from marriage, these are the things that Jesus gives us. And what I mean by that is that people tend to look for these things, purpose and identity in other people and temporary things instead of an eternal God. They are looking for the one when they truly need to be finding the son. And as I look more and more into this, I'm realizing that society today, that we are so focused on finding a lover of our body instead of focusing on the lover of our soul. And this is a detrimental trap that Christians can also fall into. I want to uh, show out a verse. Philippians, it's Philippians 4.11. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. So this is Paul speaking, if you didn't know that. And Paul was single the entirety of his ministry. And when he wrote this, he was actually writing from a prison cell. And what he's saying in this verse is he has learned how to be content with everything. And that's not because he was numb. And that's not because he was lacking feeling or because he learned how to turn off his negative emotions. It's because he knew that Christ was enough to satisfy him. And I don't think, I really don't believe that it's a coincidence that Christ, no, sorry, that Paul is writing this from a prison cell. Has anyone here ever felt as if the relationship status, whether married or in a relationship or single, especially single, was like a prison cell? I have. Um, whenever I was in high school, there was this girl that I really wanted to date. So as a Christian who really liked a girl, I prayed about it. Um, and I prayed a lot about it. And I desperately sought after this person. Um, I asked her out a few times, a few times. Um, <laughs> and the answer was no. 
And then I eventually found out that she liked one of my friends. And then I also heard that this person had mutual feelings for her. Um, so I was told by her friends to basically just stop. So, and I, it felt unfair and it felt as if I was being punished for something I, that I didn't do. And I did not like the situation I, that I was in. And it felt as if I was in prison. Now this is not, if you have ever felt this way about your relationship status, it's not a good thing, but there's probably a good reason that you feel this way. If you are always striving for something, if you are always chasing something, then no matter what that thing is, you, and I, I don't use this word lightly, but you are a slave to that thing. If you are constantly trying to achieve something, whatever that thing is, you are a slave to that thing. Whether that's your relationship status or a job or grades, no matter what that thing is, you are a slave to it. And that is why you feel as if you are in a prison. We sometimes can be slaves to our relationship status. And that is not to be the case for Christians. We should not be a slave to anything aside from righteousness. We have one master, and that master is Jesus. If you are a slave to your relationship status, then you will always be striving for it. And once you have that thing, you still will not be satisfied because there is only so much that people and worldly things can actually give you. There's only so much that these things can give you. We can place such high expectations on relationship and then the other person will never meet them. But that is not the case when it comes to Jesus. We cannot put too high expectations on him. And the only thing that we are to be striving that hard after should be Jesus. He is enough to satisfy our souls, unlike grades, unlike any job promotion, and unlike any significant other. So, instead of viewing singleness as a prison, we must begin to view singleness as a gift from God, because that is what it is. And just like any other gift, if singleness is a gift, then we have the option to either accept it or reject it. So we must begin to accept our singleness. And God, God is the one who provides us with this gift. Um, can we show 1 Corinthians 7? Yes, um, this is Paul. And as you know, Paul was single his entire life. And Christianity was one of the first religions to exalt singleness. Um, so let's see what Paul has to say about this. Now as a concession, not a command, I say this. 
I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. Now, Paul is speaking about his singleness right here, and he's saying that it is a gift. And he's also saying that marriage is a gift, one of one kind, that singleness, and one of another. But as I said before, Jesus is the one that is giving us this gift. He is the one that is providing us with either gift, the gift of marriage or the gift of singleness. The gifts and the giver are good. But we cannot only seek the gift. We must seek the giver first and foremost. He should be enough for us and then everything else that he gives us should be a bonus. Whether that's singleness or marriage, they are both additions that we get from serving God. And we must learn how to be content with just him. Um, the last verse, uh, passage that I want to speak tonight is Romans 1, 22 through 25. <laughs> Don't know why I made that noise. Um, <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. Um, claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in their lust to the heart of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever, amen. The things that he mentions in this passage are not bad things. Mortal man and animals and birds and creeping things. In fact, we know that they are good things, and Jesus talks about how they are good things. And all the way back in Genesis, whenever, whenever they look back on creation, they, it says that he saw all that he had made, and he saw that it was good. And he gives us these things. Look back at last week's um, sermon. God gives us people to walk through life together. But God is God, and good is not. I said earlier that God is meant to be our integration point. He is meant to be everything that our lives revolve around. Our striving, our chasing, this is meant to be after him. Nothing is meant to replace him as that focal point in our lives. Not ourselves, not our friends, and especially not a significant other. We cannot let the pursuit of a man or a woman supersede our pursuit of God. Whatever position we are in, we are to glorify God. Whether that's married or in a relationship or single, we are meant to glorify God. And the thing that I really want everyone here to take away from tonight 
is that we are to be content in whatever circumstance that we are in. Not saying, woe is me, and moping about our situation, whatever it may be. Not saying, I cannot do this thing, or I cannot be this person for Christ if I am always going to be single. If that was the case, then Paul and Jesus would both be discounted from the ministry. But obviously we know that if that isn't the case, Jesus is kind of foundational to Christianity, and so is Paul. He wrote most of the New Testament. I want us to take a quick look at the commands of Jesus, one of his most popular commands. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Does it say, go and make disciples if you are married? Does it say, go and make disciples if you are in a relationship? Does it say, go and make disciples if you are single? Obviously, the answer is no. There are no stipulations on the commands of God. There are no stipulations on the things that Jesus calls us to. If you are single, if you are in this room tonight and you are single, I don't want you to look past this. I don't want you to look past this singleness. I don't want you to think, this is just a phase of my life, and once I get through it, I'll be okay. Once I overcome this season, this winter, this prison, then I will be content. Because the reality of the situation is you may never get out of this season. There are some of you in this room who may never get married. And if that is the case and you are always striving to, to not be in a relationship and you always say, I will be content once I get past this, then if you never get past it, are you going to be okay never growing in Christ? So I just want to, I just, I don't have these questions up here, but there's just some questions that I want us to, to think through. Where, where are you in terms of your relationship? Where are you in terms of your marriage? Where are you in terms of your singleness? Is the person or the status that you have the main thing that you are concerned about? Are you in a place where Jesus isn't the center of your life and somebody else is the center? Are you in a place where you are too fixated on being with another person? And are you content being alone with God? And the band can come up as I come to a close. But I want there, I want there to be a real examination of where we are in terms of who is our integration point. What is the center point of our lives? And if it isn't Jesus, if Jesus isn't the person that is on the center, that's in the center of our lives, then let us shift our focus and let him make him, let us make him that center point once again. Do not let a relationship determine who you are. Do not let your singleness determine who you are. 
shift the focus off of yourself and place the focus back on God. That is what I want us to do tonight. If Jesus is not our integration point, if Jesus is not the thing that our entire lives revolve around, there is something wrong. So tonight, um, that's what I want for us, and I'm just going to begin to pray. God, I just want to thank you for who you are. I just want to thank you for sending your son down and dying for us so that we could be reconciled to you. God, I just pray that if there's anyone in this room who doesn't have you as their integration point, who doesn't have you as that center of their lives, God, I pray that they examine themselves and begin to realize that they need to be pointed back to you. They need to set their eyes on you again. God, thank you that you are enough to satisfy us. God, thank you that you love us in such a pure and great way, unlike anybody else or unlike anything else can. God, I just want to thank you for who you are. And I just want to thank you tonight for everything that you've done for each and every one of us. Thank you.